0: The following is a message by Professor Josh Van E. of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you call us to be wise, to be wise as your Son was wise, to be more and more conformed to that image of Christ, and may you do that through your word this morning as we look at uh, the book of Proverbs, and may you uh, use it to rebuke us, correct us, and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. So open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. As uh, as you remember, we're doing a uh, series here on Christian liberty. And one area that definitely plays into that is the use of alcohol, wine and beer and other things. And uh, so I thought it wise for us to study one of the Proverbs dealing with alcohol this morning. And, uh, and as with many of the Proverbs, it's very tight, very terse, and so there's a lot to unpack in it. And so we'll go through it. Um, and I'll first le- read the, uh, the ESV, um, and then I'll, uh, I'll give my own translation. So Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And, uh, and so here's my translation. Wine is a pompous windbag. Beer is an unruly loudmouth. All who are unable to walk straight because of them will not become wise. Now, the first thing I think we need to do is talk about the terminology. Are the terms here that I've translated as wine and beer, that we elsewhere have wine and strong drink, are, are they the same wine and beer that uh, we know today that you can buy in the supermarket? Um, well, for yayin, uh, the first term we have, yes. Um, it is wine. It's uh, grape wine. If you take grapes and you squeeze them and you let the juice sit around for 40 days, it turns into wine. Um, and, uh, and it's wine similar in percentage than we have today. Maybe we have some higher alcohol content, but it all is about 10 to 12% alcohol. And, uh, and so, so the, the wine that they had in the ancient Near East and in Israel is, uh, is very equivalent to the wine that, uh, that we have. And, and Israel was, we could say, in the heart of the wine country, of the ancient Near East uh, with its highlands and uh, throughout the ages it was a staple of trade and what uh, what it was known for. Um, so the first term, Yain, is definitely wine. The second one, um, shehar, is a little more difficult. Uh, it, uh, it's often translated as strong drink, um, which doesn't give us a lot of help of what it is, which is Um, probably why they translated it that way. They weren't quite sure themselves. Uh, And and most would argue that in the ancient Near East they didn't have the process of distillation that uh, that we use now to make alcohol that's stronger than wine. Um, Alcohol above that 10 to 12 percent to get it into 20 percent or more. Um, And so most likely Shacher or uh, um, shehar here isn't stronger than wine. It's not a stronger drink. Um, uh, but uh, so what? What exactly was it? It's, it may have been used as a general term for alcohol, for anything else other than wine. It's just it's something with alcoholic content. Um, though, as we look at other texts around that use a similar term. So from uh, Mesopotamia or Aram, uh, it, it uh, seems most often to refer to beer, um, and partly because beer was the, uh, the big drink in Mesopotamia and in Egypt. They don't have great grape-growing country. They do grow good barley, though. Um, and so, so beer was the most common beverage there. Uh, and so we're going to use it, um, we're going to translate it as beer, though probably it has a wider range than that, because even outside of Israel, it could refer to stuff like date wine, um, where, where other fruits, um, or other types of things were fermented. Um, but, uh, it is important to note that beer in antiquity was a little different from beer that we know now, uh. It was less alcoholic. It was probably only 2 to 3%, whereas beer now is more like 4 to 6%. And, uh, and also, it was made without hops. And if you know that hops are what often gives beer its distinctive flavor now, it, uh, its bitterness. Um, and, uh, and so beer in antiquity was probably sweeter than, uh, than what we have now. And so you find references to sweet beer in, uh, in Sumer. Um, so, so those are the terms. How, how did Israel use these things? Um, how common were they? Um, from all our indications, they were a common, um, if not everyday, uh, drink of Israel. Um, we find it at records of most meals. Melchizedek brings... Um, uh, bread and wine um, that uh, we find it 's uh, isaac 's last meal he, uh, he gets fed all this stuff and he also drinks wine it uh, 's seen as uh, a provision for a journey. The Gibeonites when they 're going to deceive the Israelites, they come with their wine skins the uh, the Levite in Judges, when he's traveling around and trying to find some place to lodge, he says, don't worry about our provisions. We have straw for the donkeys and we have bread and wine for ourselves. Um, so it was, it was a common beverage uh, that they had. And, uh, and not only that, it's, talking about, it's, it's used as, uh, as a, an image of the blessing of the land of Canaan. This was the place where they'll have their grain, their oil, and their wine. Um, and we see it throughout the sacrificial system. Most sacrifices have their, their, their wine um, part that's to be poured out along with it. And, uh, and we could even mention, um, very famously, Psalm 104 talks about it as, as one of the three things that God's given to man, the provision from the ground. It's wine to gladden the heart of man. And it even figures into future visions of blessing. Um, Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Um, And Amos 9, 4. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. But Israel, as we read the Old Testament, um, they also knew of the abuse of alcohol. Uh, we can see it in a few narratives. We have Lot's daughters using wine to get him drunk so that they can sleep with him. Uh, we have uh, um, Eli, when he sees Hannah muttering under her breath, he thinks that she's, uh, she's been having too much wine, and so it must have been a problem in that day. Um, but uh, the most common place we find it is in the prophets, as they cry out against those who are overcome by alcohol. So we have Isaiah 5, 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink. Who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. Or Isaiah 5, 22, woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, and valiant men in mixing strong drink. Um, and one last one, Hosea four, verse ten. Um, as he's calling down a curse on them, he says, They shall eat but not be satisfied, they shall play the whore but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. And so, as as we approach this proverb this morning, we need to keep in mind this portrayal of alcohol in uh, the Old Testament. As a blessing, on the one hand, but as something that can quickly turn into a curse when it's abused. And, uh, and so as, as we you know, read over this proverb, the first time we might be tempted to say that the writer here is, is maybe unmasking wine and beer for us. Look, they're the scoffer, they're the brawler, who would want to tangle with them? But the problem with such an interpretation is that we're now not reading it as a proverb we're reading it as a law. Um, a law says, "Do this. don't do that." But as Dr. Estelle showed us last week, a proverb can tell you, don't rebuke a fool according to a folly, according to his folly, and do rebuke a fool according to his folly. Um, it, uh, it takes wisdom to apply a proverb and interpret it uh, in it and, uh, and apply it in its different situations. So, let's move towards a correct interpretation. And and as we do that, it's it's helpful to look a little more closely at uh, at what wine is personified as and beer is personified as. Um, and, And the first question is, why are they personified? Are they personified to... Um, unmask wine and beer's characteristics, or are they personified to tell us and give us the characteristics of those who are influenced by them, Um, what somebody who abuses wine and beer is like? And I would say that latter is, is, uh, is the correct interpretation. Um, And this becomes more clear as we look at the latter half of this, the second half of the proverb, where it again focuses on what um, the people who are being controlled by wine and beer and how it affects them. And so I would say these personifications are of somebody who, right, takes too much wine and takes too much beer. So we could say the wino is arrogant, the boozer is unruly. Um, to clarify that up. Um, and, uh, and so what the, the first term, wine is a scoffer, um, or as I said, pompous windbag. Uh, the, the term used there, Lates, is used often in Proverbs. It's very common. And maybe you even noticed it's used in Psalm 1. It was one of those three that you were to avoid. Um, and so it's very often in parallel to the sinner. To uh, the fool, um, and to the wicked, um, and uh, and I think a couple proverbs help to uh, to flesh that out. Proverbs one twenty two says, "How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge?" And Proverbs twenty one twenty four, "Scoffer is the name of the arrogant." haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Uh, And so scoffer here is very much somebody who will not take correction, who will not take rebuke. They're not teachable, and they will do what they want. You can't tell them anything. And that's probably a very good um, illustration of somebody who's had too much to drink, too much wine. Um, You can't tell them anything. You can't correct them. First, they probably won't remember it, um, but also it it usually removes whatever common sense they may have had when they're totally under its influence. Um, As one country song says, it makes you feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof. So nothing will get in your way, um, and nobody can tell you what to do. Uh, The second one, a brawler, uh, home. It's not as common as late, as scoffer. Um, But uh, the places that we find it, and it's uh, used as a uh, a regular verb, it it often talks about something that's loud, but also turbulent or unruly. Um, And so it can be waters as they roar by, or a crowd as it's milling around. Um, uh, But we do find it two times in Proverbs. Um, And in Proverbs, it is first used of the adulterous woman and what she's like, and then um, very closely related to that, Madame Folly. So in Proverbs 7.11, the adulterous woman is said to be loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. Uh, And then of Madame Folly, Proverbs 9, verse 13, The woman Folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. And I would say in both of these places, and in our text too, the emphasis lies on that unruly turbulent part. There's no self-control. There's no self-discipline. So they're loud in really a variety of ways, we could say. Um, And uh, and the same would be true of abusers of beer. They're often loud and unruly and turbulent in uh, in a manifold um, variety. Uh, But I think it's important at this point to pause to emphasize that the proverb isn't saying all who drink wine and beer are arrogant and loud. That would be moving it to law, like we said. Um, instead, it's those who drink too much, who abuse it, who are in view. And, uh, and I think this is made more clear as we now move to the second half, where the proverb moves from this generic characterization that's really unqualified, to focus our state, to focus our thoughts on someone who is under its control, who has this wrong relationship with beer and wine. And uh, and so we'll move to the second half. Um, as I translated, um, all who are unable to walk straight because of them will not become wise. Uh, the uh, most translations I think, um, somewhat unhelpfully translates this, uh, this first part of it as whoever is led astray. And they really miss a lot of the imagery that, uh, that the author put in here. Um, the verb can mean to err or to do wrong, uh, but it has more of an idiomatic meaning with, uh, with the preposition buh and another noun. Um, to characterize somebody as to lose their ability to walk straight or to stagger because of something. Um, Thus, uh, we find it used of a drunken stupor. Isaiah 28, verse 7, And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. And yet we should note that it's not always used of a bad situation. Um, Proverbs tells us it's okay if your wife makes you stagger. If you can't walk straight because of your wife. Though not the adulteress. So Proverbs 5 verses 18 through 20 let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Stagger always because of her love. Why should you stagger, my son, because of a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? So it doesn't have to be negative. Um, but often in its use... There is the idea of error involved. Um, And one of the other uses in Proverbs brings that out. Proverbs 5, verse 23. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he staggers. Um, And so I think we we shouldn't miss this imagery. uh, This very much double use of the term. The primary image is of this drunk stumbling along. Um, but it definitely has an ethical stumbling involved in it that's implied. And another mistranslation that I think misses the, the author's point is to only focus on um, stumbling along or being intoxicated. Some translate this as those who are intoxicated or drunk. Um, and I, I, there is a different Hebrew word for being drunk. And I think it misses a lot of the point here because the author isn't focusing on that state, but very much so he's focusing on that something is taking away your abilities, putting you under its power. Your wife is supposed to knock you off your feet, but your wine is not. And uh, And so the proverb concludes that if you are thus controlled by wine and beer, you will not become wise. Now note very carefully there that I didn't say you are not wise. Elsewhere in Proverbs, when an action is declared not to be wise, the author uses the perfect but when he talks about something becoming wise, he uses the imperfect, as he does here. And so we find, for example, Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may become wise in the future. So this proverb does not focus on whether staggering around from drunkenness is wise. I think we know it's not. But it focuses on something really much more serious, how it removes one's ability to gain wisdom. Being under the control of wine and beer removes your ability to gain wisdom, to become wise. Thus, I think it's best to see this proverb not as focusing on one-night folly of drunkenness, though we could say that falls within it but really on a life controlled by alcohol. Someone who's controlled by alcohol is really staggering about because of it, and that's not just when they're actually intoxicated. Um, It comes to take over all parts of their life, destroying it bit by bit. And if you struggle with alcohol, or have struggled with that, or even drugs for that matter, you know what I'm talking about. Your dependence upon them grows more and more as your life begins to revolve and focus around them. And their control demands that you sacrifice, sacrifice family, work, life, everything for them. And if you are struggling with that, then this proverb comes to you this morning as a rebuke. A call to really look and see what you're doing. But not a rebuke to fix yourself, but a rebuke to repent and believe. To turn to the one who is described as your wisdom and to trust him alone as your savior your Savior from your sins, making you right with God, but also the one who promises the sanctification through his Spirit. You may think you're too deep, you're too overcome, too overcome to change. And change may not come easy. It may take a lifetime. But Jesus is that one who can turn the arrogant, unruly, and make them wise. But for those of you out there who do not struggle with alcohol or have not, you may be saying, so what? Does this apply to me? I want to remind you this morning that this proverb was not written just for addicts. This proverb was written for you. We could say first it was given to Old Testament Israel. They were called to be wise and yet they struggled. And they ultimately failed, showing the depths of man's depravity. But it was also given to the true Israel, to our Lord Jesus Christ, so that he might grow up in wisdom, as we see in the Gospels, and so that he can come as one eating and drinking, the one who changes water into wine, the one who shares the cup of blessing with his disciples. And yet is not controlled by it, is not overcome by it, but instead submits to every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so now this morning it comes to you, to you, one who is free in Christ, but has been called to use your freedom wisely. It's given to you, you who, are, who have the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, so that you might become wise And you neglect this proverb at your own peril. This proverb tells us of the ever-present danger that confronts us while we are still sinful Christians. As we partake of God's good gifts of beer and wine. Now we must not distort this warning. It's not saying that the dangers are so great that all should avoid wine and beer. That's not found in this text or anywhere else in the Bible. But each and every individual is called to examine themselves in each and every situation so that those who drink, drink for the Lord and those who abstain, abstain for the Lord. And I think that such a stern warning here in Scripture ought to really influence how we enjoy this one use of our Christian liberty. It should influence how we talk about it in public, the jokes we make about it. And here I think an analogy with guarding ourselves from sexual sins is helpful. Do we put ourselves in situations where others might look at us and think that we've compromised our purity that they might look in and misunderstand what's going on? Do we make crude jokes that make light of sexual sins or our intentions towards members of the opposite sex? Or do we do things that might cause a fellow believer to fall into sexual sin, maybe chiding them for being weaker and in their own weakness? I hope not. So this morning, I call you to uphold that same standard with reference to alcohol, that you guard it with the same standard you would sexual purity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, the earth is yours and you have given us the bounty. You have placed all things under our feet, and we rejoice in your grace and in your blessing. And we just pray that you will give us the wisdom to use them aright, because we know they can so often entangle us. What is good can become a snare to us who are still in the process of sanctification Those who still have sin cling to us, who war against the devil, the world, and even our own flesh. And so, may we not think ourselves too wise lest we fall. May we instead always turn to your word and hear its rebuke and hear the wisdom it has and may it shape us and may it be shown in our actions as we glorify you in all that we do, think, and say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.